Hello, everybody, and welcome to Pod Stallions. I am Brian, and with me to my left is my only member of my Matthew Waterhouse fan club, Mr. Jason Lindsay. Hello, everyone. Proud. I'm a proud member of. I actually uh, left the group. You're you're actually kind of the only member. Now. Are we still called Are we still called the Water Boys? That's right. Well, you are. I am. I, okay. I'm not. No. I'm the Water Boy. Yeah carrying his water for years mind you there is a hefty tax bill to that group um just yes. just word to the wise it's been operating at a loss for a very long time good to know yeah um so i guess one of the things i wanted to do with this episode jason was start a little game because i have been watching a lot of love boat with the wife the last couple of weeks mm. and i want you to play a game with me which is like which is the real love boat plot and which is the real love you're going to give me a plot you're going to give me yeah. four plots let's say yeah. no i'm going to give you two plots two plots okay yeah and um I thought gonna, you were oh no 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 let, let's let's do let's do three plots and you tell me which one is uh the fake one which one is the fake plot yeah okay so plot a uh, a divorcee is haunted by the ghost of her late husband, Jimmy Walker, and uh, he's basically trying to get her into a romance until he gets drunk and jealous. Okay? Mm-hmm. I don't know how a ghost gets jealous, but anyways. Uh, B, a movie special effects man played by um, Father Tim from Soap is so jealous of his ex, he impersonates not only Burt Reynolds, but Doc Bricker with seamless rubber mask perfection. Mm, And C, um, a man, and I wish I could remember the actor's name that I had there. um, I think it's Randy Mantooth. Loses his girlfriend to his father, uh, played by Chester from Soap, Robert Mandon. Okay, I have to tell you, my yeah. instinct, yeah, my gut, and don't tell me if I'm right yet. Yeah, my gut is to say it's a trick question. Those are all plots from Love Boat. Bob, damn it, sir, you are correct. <laughs> <laughs> because by the time you got to the second one and you said rubber masks, I was like. Okay, that's the only thing I'm thinking might not be real is the rubber. Well, you know what? That's the worst part of it is the guy comes out and his (laughs) case opens and all these like dollar store, you know, you got they got these at Walgreens this afternoon. Rubber masks (laughs) come out and he says, I'm a Hollywood special effects artist. And you're like, why do you have Dollarama stuff? (laughs) This is my travel kit. My stuff back home. That uh, that tells you now I have not seen an episode of Love Boat probably. Oh, it's it, decades to yeah. actually see a love an episode from front to back. It's been I can't even think the last time I saw one, but I remember how insane the plots were. And, you know, I, 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 the ones I remember, I remember Dirk Benedict was on once. And I remember one where Gopher fell in love with with Julie. Oh, the crew. oh yeah. Do you remember that one? No, I don't. Um, I did see one the other day with uh, Lauren Green and Richard Hatch. In the same episode? They were in the same episode, but they were not playing father-son. I was like, oh, dang. 
Oh, wow. Oh, I yeah. didn't know. That's a good bit of trivia. Yeah. Uh, it, um, I, 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 I always, I watched it for the boobies, not going to lie, on the, on the Lido deck. Those, those, oh, yeah. Nancy Walker was on that a lot. Those pan shots of the, you know. Yeah. As I recall, the show uh, added more and more sex to it as it got like older. I seem to recall like during the years where I think Julie was off, uh, there was like just an aerobics crew all of a sudden. They just up so the just up like the- in the middle of the show, these gorgeous women in skin tight spandex would jump around, mm-hmm. and it's like. Yeah, okay, I see, I see the appeal of that. Uh, well, but I, you know, I was like 14 when that was on, and it was like, oh, the love boat's not so bad. It was Aaron Spelling, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, wasn't he? Wasn't he dubbed like the, like, didn't he? Didn't the he? King of Jiggle or something? Jiggle TV. Wasn't he the one that sort of they coined the term after the stuff he was he was putting on air? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So when did yeah. the love boat start in 78, 77? It's. I think it started. I think the. The pilot show started like '76. Like the movies, oh. they were TV movies first. Oh. And then um, I think, oh, '77. You're right, '77. '77. Okay. Yeah. Ten years. Wow. Eight, yeah. Seven. He had. He so Spelling had Charlie's Angels and The Love Boat going at once. Like those were big shows. Like Love Boat did really well. Didn't it? I mean, didn't, at least the first few seasons, didn't it? Wasn't that a big hit? It was show? on the air for ten years. Was it on for 10 years? Yeah. That was on in, in, through the mid 80s? Yeah. That's what I was oh, trying to tell you. Yeah. I it, have we, no idea. Yeah. Oh my God. That's a lot of episodes. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then Julie Julie left and came back, right? Didn't she? Come yeah. Back? Yeah. She had a, she had some, uh, some drug issues. She um, ran out of coke and had to leave the show. Yeah, it's a real shame. And to get some, buy some. Well, uh, you know, it's it's interesting nowadays that that wouldn't be a giant scandal. The show would have gone on, but back then she was America's sweetheart, you know. Right. Um, the girl next door. Well, I remember the TV. Remember the TV guy, that famous TV guide cover, that was like Hollywood's Hollywood's cocaine problem. Like that. Oh was yeah, all- and she was on it, wasn't she? I don't remember. I think it might have been out like right after Belushi died, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they suddenly the silence was kind of broken at just how much. How many vast quantities of drugs were in in television shows like the, in, in the in the writers rooms and stuff. And and I think in that issue, they had a sort of an expose on square pegs. And I think it had just gotten canceled. And then everybody started talking about the rampant drug use uh, on the show. Mm. And how it was. Um, but I remember that seeing that on the cover of TV guy, Ooh, cocaine on the cover of TV guy. <laughs> well, that's a great little trivia question to open the show with because yeah. of our topic. Tell us what our topic is right now. Today. Our topic is what we're watching because, well, I, I um, neither of we, us could think of a topic and this one's always fun. So <laughs> I guess we know one of the things you've been watching recently. Yes. Love boat. Um, it? But now, what is it? I, I, you, you are fascinated with the Love Boat. Now, let's get it out of the way. You guys have been watching it. You tend to like to watch it. I know your wife enjoys it as well. But you also collect odds and ends from the Love Boat. You, 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 you're, you're kind of, you have a mild fascination with the Love Boat and Fantasy Islands. More Fantasy Island than Love Boat. Yes. Um, yes. I don't. What the is, only thing I own from Love Boat are the are a couple of action figures. You don't have the big boat, the big Mego boat. No, I got. You know what? I got rid of that. 
Uh, but you did have it. I did own it. Yes, I did. There you go. So my question is, what is it about the love boat? Is it is it the kitsch factor? Is it the the unintentional laughs? Is it the time it's capsule? It's the same aspect? reason that uh, when I was in the grocery store today, I grabbed a can of Chef Boyardee uh, spaghetti and meatballs. And uh, so it's for that, the, that nutritious value. Well, that is not what anyone would call food. And um, I love to cook and I can make a killer pasta. You know, I mean, that's one of the things I'm just very good at. But there's just something so I don't know about that stupid can of crap. Uh, my wife calls it, it people chow and, you know, but it, it's comfort. It's a comfort. Yeah. 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 It, it, you like the flavor, but it also it also just gives you a comfort of a a bygone era or or something that's there's something comforting about something that still tastes like it did 30 years ago oh my gosh yes um mcdonald's cheeseburgers to me McDonald's still taste the same yep uh oh. harvey's there's a chain in canada called harvey's and it, it's not my favorite burger chain in the world by any means but it still tastes the same as when i was a kid but, but so, and, and it's not and, you know it's, i know everybody says that like the comfort in you know, every time I, I open a can of Coke, it tastes the same, whatever. But it's not true across the board. So, no. in other words, like years ago, I tried a, a Hostess fruit pie again. You can't go and, home again there. And, you know, the corners are still delicious, but there's something about the body of the fruit pie that just was not the same. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I can't tell you the last time I had a Twinkie, but I know when I did – it wasn't the same. It was much, much harder than the Twinkies in of, of the past. And especially it's happened with cereal. Where oh, yeah. Used to be, you know, that's what made something like, uh, you know, the monster cereal. We talked about the monster cereals, how it was, you know, marshmallows. And, you know, it started with, a, you know, the just the marshmallow and the, the round uh, cereal. And the cereal was oat. I believe I believe that's what it was, was oat. So you had the dryness of the regular cereal that was kind of flavored. And then, you know, every spoonful you had 10 bits of oat and maybe two marshmallows. Well, not only did the ratio change, they changed the way they make the cereal. And so now it's it's not it's not oat. I believe oat is what Cheerios still are. Like if you if you if you eat Cheerios and they're very bland, but it's got that texture and that kind of flavor that is, is you know you know what makes them delicious is when a toddler hands you a moist one. <laughs> yeah. And you you have to eat it because it's it would be rude not to. Oh my goodness, I just insult them. It's like you're insulting their culture. Yeah. But um so things don't all taste the same. There's very few things you know that you have that comfort with. And McDonald's cheeseburger is a perfect example of just about you know, most places you go in the world it tastes the same. Uh, there's something kind of comforting in that. So I get it. So Love Boat is comfort television. You know what you're going to get. Every now and then you might get surprised by a weird co-star or um, wacky plot, but it's it's uh, it's it's comforting. Does that make sense? I'm sorry. I had the mic off. Um, yes, I was trying I thought, to say. I thought you were just pondering how much you loved Love Boat. Oh, yeah, no, is this deep like, in reflection? No, I'm talking me, away. It's the right perfect way about the love yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't don't screw this up brian again like i'm staring the, at a chessboard <laughs> <laughs> give him the perfect um, stop love boat what what's fun about the love boat too is the guest stars 
Yeah. But also some of the plots are bad. Like, um, how do I put this? Uh, like they wouldn't fly today, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, there, there's some really, uh, crazy subjects. Um, uh, they, they, they often write Isaac as if he's a four year old. I don't know why they do that. And then he's like, in one episode, he saves the ship, which is like, okay, who, which one is Isaac? You know? Um, and, and I, Doc, I, Doc is always like Randy. Like he's like, well, I often, you know, you say that, but, um, and, and yes, definitely. I wonder if because McLeod and, um, Coppell were sort of the names going on to that show. If they had something in their script that's like, hey, Captain Stooping gets some this week. Uh, because yeah. it's like Doc and Stooping, and then like Julie gets one story a year, and they, you know, um, you can watch. There's no interracial dating on the love boat. So if there's just like a stray black woman going on, you're like, hey, Isaac's getting some. Right. Week. Oh, totally. You know? Totally. But, 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 but Stubing versus uh, Doc, what's he called? Doc, what was it? Doc. Bricker. Bricker? Yeah. They all, they all have wonderful porn names if you want. Doc to Bricker. I, boy, I wouldn't yeah. have that. My life depended on it. But, but Adam but, Bricker. Okay. But, uh, Stubing gets action but he's not like checking out everything that comes on the boat oh no doc, no that, yeah. doc yeah. is like you know head to toe just a walking you yeah. know uh erogenous zone like he's just everything that walked i remember them just being every episode he was like oh hey, who's that there coming under yeah, yeah 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 that was a, i don't think you get away with that today where he's just just filthy everything they looked at i kind of i kind of um i kind of was joking like how you could bring this back and you know there's a lot of ways you could bring it back uh you could just make it like kind of dark and creepy (laughs) or um i i don't know maybe maybe even like do it as a reality show now it probably is a reality show now well they did bring it back they brought it back in in the late 90s was it with robert urich was the captain but but the thing that's uh, uh, that it goes it, it harkens back to a time again most of those shows where you could actually have talent from other networks come on the one network show they they utilized who they had in their arsenal but you know there were there were people from that already there were had shows on other networks that would show up on love boat like even that you wouldn't really do today i don't think it, you wouldn't have that kind of back and forth i don't think you know kind of like the battle of the network stars similarly is your mic off again Sir. or you yeah i had a cough i had what? a coughing what fit going on granddad <coughs> <coughs> yeah and i um you could tell who worked for abc at the time because they were in it more sort of yeah like david doyle um, is in a lot of episodes. Oh yeah, um, there was a lot of recurring actors in that show. Yeah. Warren wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. And you said um, Nancy Walker directed a lot. No, he she was in a lot. Oh, she was in. Um, a lot. Oh, okay. yeah. And and if if Maury Amsterdam shows up, you know who's playing his wife. If Maury Amsterdam says, "Who?" Oh, Nancy Walker. No, Rose Marie. Oh, Rose Marie. Oh, bless her heart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's not no, all the, I've been watching. I've been checking out films. I like movies. Um, well, let's, so, let's hear that Love Boat. Let's hear that. Let's hear a movie, and then I'll tell you. I'll I'll um, regale you with my 
my uh, journey. But do you know the movie, the, the one movie that uh, Nancy Walker directed? Thank God it's Friday. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Thank God it's Friday. And I'll never forget Steve Gutenberg doing an interview years later about the rap party. No, it was the premiere party the, uh, yeah, afterwards. And that I think I think they went to Club 50, um, Studio 54. And there, somebody was pumping amyl nitrate through the <laughs> through the oh vents of the club. and Everybody was just off their tits. And I would have given anything to have been there to have seen that that premiere party. <laughs> that movie yeah I, I bet you that like you know how i often think about how my kids must think i grew up in a, a different planet um that might have that might be our experience you know with with something like that that like yeah theaters i think you know it's funny i've been thinking about this a lot lately and we will get to these lists and what we've been watching because this is all all part of the same soup um you know there's this notion that that we grew up at a time, yes, just what you said about Love Boat. Everything was pretty conventional, and you wouldn't have had an interracial thing probably, you know, uh, in, in 10 years of the show, maybe. Um, but we did have we did have things in television that were were groundbreaking that I think people tend to forget about. Storylines or, you know, like the Starsky and Hutch one I, I talked about where the cop was you know, closeted and he got murdered and, you know, handled yeah. with haste and... You know, Rockford did it a few times. Barney Miller with gay characters that were just matter of fact. Uh, mm. Soap, for God's sake. Um, uh, and then movies like that. And, and you know, I had the Macho Man single uh, for for my birth. <laughs> yeah, we did. I had an aunt. An aunt gave me the Macho Man single by the Village People. And I don't remember asking for it, but I, I certainly knew the song. And she gave me a cologne. There was a cologne called Macho Man. It must have been out for like six months. You know, I still have some. <laughs> she gave me that that uh, single and a bottle of the Macho Man cologne, and I got so much action that summer. Did she say? Did she say you know what to do? <laughs> I I said it to her like I know what to do with this. I got yeah. it. I, I got it from here. I'm good. <laughs> and it was just a summer of hedonism. On my <laughs> Just nonstop. Uh, okay, so you did some Love Boat marathons. Give me a, a, a movie that you've been watching or you watched recently. Oh, my goodness. Um, I found a movie. And you ever just, like, look at um, somebody else watching a movie on, on, like, Facebook, and you're like, what the hell's that? And I follow the rabbit down the hole. This happens a whole heck of a lot to me. But there was a movie called Demon of Paradise. Demon it, Paradise. Of Paradise, and okay. it's uh, from 1987. Um, I knew this kind of going in, but it is—it's really obvious. It's a Philippines shot uh, horror movie uh, that um, is supposed to be in Hawaii, but it's very obviously not in Hawaii. Like it just—they couldn't pull that off. Mm. And it's about. Um, Fishermen that are dynamiting the bay for fish, and they wake up this ancient creature, and this is basically a creature from a Black Lagoon movie. Mm. Um, it's directed by Sirio Santiago, who did a lot of exploitation. This is a really late kind of movie, and I was surprised that I'd never heard of it, because I'm kind of a lizard man monster movie fan, and I usually pick those up, but I honestly had not heard of this one. Um, it's not terribly great. 
it's it's just sort of meh. Mm-hmm. Uh, the monster looks sort of like a tiki idol. Um, it just it's it's a little slow. Um, I don't know what else to say about it, but mm. it was yeah. kind of interesting just on the basis of like, holy smoke! Like I have uh, this is like a creature ripoff I've never seen. So I was just down for that. So it's a win-win. Something you'd never you didn't know existed, mm. and you, you just got streaming stuff. I believe it was on Tubi. On Tubi, okay. Yeah. Okay. And um, from what I under, from what I remember, I, th- I think it was available like on Shout Factory or something. You know, I was looking at the Blu-ray, and I was glad it was just on Tubi because what I often do is if I like it on Tubi, I will buy it on Blu-ray so I can see the extras and the 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 um, if there's commentary that sort of thing and. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to do that. <laughs> well, you, uh, you, you, you know, you dipped your toe in and <clears throat> took a bite and uh, now, you know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And knowing is half the battle. Yeah. Knowing is half the battle. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of recent stuff because I watch stuff all the time. Movies and weird shows and current shows. Um, first off, I'd say that um, uh, I watched. Well. Lately, I've been watching the trailer for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny over and over and over again. So that I know by heart at this point. I've watched it so much. But um, a new a film um, that I came across. Well, actually, no, I'll, I'll start with a series. I think I mentioned this a couple years ago, maybe last year toward end of year. There's a, a series that David Tennant and Michael Sheen did during lockdown called Staged. Oh, and yeah. And it's, you know, they're, they're, you know, certainly at the start of the series, they're never in the same room. So everything is through, you know, uh, you know, Zoom chat, basically. Um, really funny. You know, they're, they're playing versions of themselves. And then there's a, you know, a producer director who wants to do this project with them. And it's just, you know, you're just seeing the sequence of, of, you know, phone calls and them talking to each other. But it's, you know, full frame, you know, both faces in the in the, in the frame of the thing. Or sometimes they cut back and forth. Um, but they ended up doing three seasons of it, like six episodes each. And the third one, wow. just dropped, the third one dropped a little while ago on BritBox. And it's a it's it's a really, um, really likable, funny show uh the two of them are absolutely brilliant because again it's really it's we were talking about this it's really tough to act like you're not acting like being yourself and of course they're heightened versions of david Tennant and michael sheen michael sheen's more grumpy doesn't feel like he's gotten acknowledged as much as he should david Tennant is the one that everybody loves and he's always trying to make people happy and isn't he sweet and and their wives you know their real life wives and kids you know show up in them and, and stuff but it's on BritBox. I think all three seasons are on BritBox. And the third one dropped and kind of wrapped it all up. And the beauty of it is that, you know, you'll just all of a sudden the phone will ring and a, a face will pop out. And you're like, oh, it's Olivia Coleman, you know, or, oh, wait, is that Simon Pegg? You know, so it's got all these cameos throughout it, too, of people, you know, playing versions of themselves as well. Uh, but it's really good, really well written and very, very funny. Very, very quick, snappy uh, dialogue. So uh, if you if you like that kind of thing and if you like Michael Sheen and David Tennant, who have been friends for years and, of course, 
did uh, Good Omens and they're doing the second season of Good Omens, then um, I highly recommend it. Um, yeah, I didn't even know. Uh, well, I couldn't remember it, so I might just check it out. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely worth checking out. Um, I have been um, watching um, the new Mandalorian, of course, because I'm yeah, I have as well. Yeah, anything they give they give to us, uh, and I've enjoyed that for the most part. So I'm just happy to have stuff to to watch. And um, there was a movie here I'm trying to find that I just watched that was really uh, oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, I'll have to find it. It was it was something from the 70s or 80s. I think it was like, oh, you know what I watched? Speaking of all these things that are daring and shocking or weird that you haven't thought of in a long time. Um, HBO Max has a great list of stuff. Uh, movie movies, you know, like it's it's almost as good as Amazon for the for the sort of, you know, not mainstream stuff. Um, and oh. they've got a thing for Turner or TCM on there, too. Um, but I came across The Crying Game, which and I have not seen The Crying Game since I saw it in the theater when it came out. And just seeing it with fresh eyes again, I was like, oh, my God, is this a good movie? I forgot how how well done that film was. And uh, it was Neil Jordan, who who it was an original story by Neil Jordan. He wrote and directed it. I knew who he was because of Mona Lisa. And I you know loved that movie so much when it came out. So I went to see Crime Game right when it opened. And of course, yeah, you know, nobody knew what this movie was about. The movie poster didn't tell you what this movie was about. And um, and, I, and I just watching it again with with fresh. I was like, oh, my God, this was it really knocked me out at the time. But I was surprised how much it held up and how good it was now. Um, and and the central performances, you know, Stephen Ray yeah. and. Jay Davison was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Stephen Ray, um, I for that was the one takeaway from that is how good he was in that. Oh my God! Just and you, you know, and then I started looking information. I was like, he'd never acted before in his life. He'd never done anything, and he, it's completely authentic. Every moment of that movie, Um, it's funny. It's got a dark, comedic sensibility. It's very violent, and it's a, it's like a great film noir. But it's like, God, it's 1992. And then the soundtrack, you know, the the the, the Boy George cover uh, produced by Pet Shop Boys of, of The Crying Game. Yeah. All the, the music cues, because I had the CD soundtrack and I played it like mad. But that was a, that was a pleasant surprise of like, oh, maybe, maybe I'll watch The Crying Because, you know, it's one of those movies that everybody knows. And I'm like, is this going to seem fresh to me? And then I started, I'm like, this is really good. And it just hooked me. Uh, yeah, it's funny. It's funny you say that. Um, <clears throat> there was some movies uh, the wife and I put on the other night, um, 90s movies. And mm. the, the first one was Singles, mm. which um, I think we may have seen together when it first was in the theater. I'm not sure about that, though. Uh, but, yeah. Um, and that was 93? 92. 92, yeah. Mm. And um, I was a big fan of the movie, mainly because of the soundtrack, I think. Yeah, that was the whole Seattle, the really yeah. map. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's uh, interesting to watch it now, mm. you know, with, with that much time on it and see it for what it is. Um, you know, it's, it's slightly just trying to ex- exploit the scene. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's at least a funny and entertaining movie. Yeah, I it's, need to... 
you know. I saw that in the theater, and mm-hmm. <clears throat> Bridget Fonda and uh, Matt Dillon, and you know all these all these faces that went on to you know bigger stuff. Um, uh, but I haven't seen it again in probably decades. And uh, you know, to me, it was where he where Cameron Crowe started to veer toward the sort of you know you know the guy runs down the runway at the end of the film and tries to, you know, get on the plane to stop the lover. You know, I, I love you. My heart belongs. You know, that, that kind of more conventional sort of storytelling as opposed to like fast times, which was to me really holds up. And it's still a, a, a snapshot of a time and, and uh, mm-hmm. an age and everything. Uh, but, but singles was, it was a good, it was a, it was a big movie too. I think, I think it did really well when it came out. I think it did. Yeah. And Paul Westerberg from the replacement. Yeah. I think did the soundtrack, right? Yes, you're right. Yeah, and, and don't uh, Pearl Jam show up in it as like they're they're aren't they Matt Dillon's band? Yeah, like uh, Pearl Jam. Um, you see Chris Cornell. Chris Cornell. Uh, Chris Cornell just wanders by in one scene. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think you see Alice in Chains. Um, Tim Burton has a little um, cameo. Oh right, he's the at the dating uh, at the dating. Yeah. Party. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's you know it's got it's got an interesting cast, um, and it's fun to watch it, uh, like see the little things that you you've missed before. Mm-hmm. And the other film from the '90s we watched was Mallrats. Um, oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Yeah. <laughs> I loved I loved that when it came out. Oh boy! Um, <laughs> you know where that was filmed, right? Yep. My old stomping grounds. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Um, I was like, you know, it's, it's, it still has its minutes. Um, it still makes me laugh. Um, my wife still thinks when people want to like shake her hand, she still thinks of stink bombing. Oh, that's um, awful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's, it, you had to be there. You know what I mean? Did you um, did you laugh at all? Did you think it was there? Yeah, there was some. There's still some funny stuff in there. Um, you know, uh, I think Jason Lee that was like his first acting gig, and um, okay, he's pretty damn good. He's not great, but I could see why he was cast. And he was uh, a he was like a was he a pro skateboarder? Or? Yeah, I think he was a pro skateboarder. Yeah, but um. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'll tell you a couple of this, this is good because now I'm thinking of some things here that that I, I came across. Like we say, Amazon Prime, you just never know what you're going to find. Right. And uh, two things that I came across that I surprisingly found myself getting wrapped up in and watching multiple episodes of. Um, the first was Farscape. Do you remember the show Farscape? Um, is that is that the Australian one? I think it was I think it was made in Australia and it was like produced. I it's say kind of got a Muppety quality to it. A very um, Muppety quality. Some of the care like one of the creatures on the sh- the ship is like a living entity and it's got a pilot that's like built into the ship and it's a big. Yeah, puppet. yeah. I actually uh, I didn't ever got into it, but I watched a few of them and I thought it really looked good. Uh, I don't know how to say it otherwise. Like I just thought like this is really a, a nice looking show. Yeah, it was one of those shows that when it was on, I caught it every now and then. And mm-hmm. it, it never just, it never hooked me. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but I came across them like, well, you know, I'm going to maybe I'll just start with season two and just see how this goes. It is such a weird show. It is such a one off weird show, like some of the concepts in it and the, you know, the typical, you know, body switching episode that you've seen a million times where the, you know, the entity goes into each person and they become the other person or whatever. Um, very, very funny, wacky and just these insane kind of concepts, I, you know, but all I kept thinking watching it was. It's Guardians of the Galaxy. It is absolutely Guardians of the Galaxy. I can see that. Yeah. It is the 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 dude from Earth that that goes in a wormhole and shows up in some weird galaxy. It's the angry chick that he eventually wants to get with, but wants nothing to do with him. And she's a warrior. Uh, the big dude who's like Drax. He's like a big dude with weird dreadlock, you know, uh, tentacle things on his head. Um, there's the other, uh, woman who I can't, don't know their names, but she's got like white hair, short hair. And she's more like the, the French, uh, Palm, what's her name? The French woman who's now in the, that joined in, in, uh, Guardians 2. There's a little, um, a Muppet that's like a little frog kind of dude who's, who's looking out for himself and he's just a jerk. Yeah. Oh my God. It's rock. Like it's totally Guardians of the Galaxy, you know? And, and then I remembered meeting him at Comic-Con um this is this is uh, uh pre-covid i met the dude the captain dude uh in an elevator and we got to talking and then we, we ended up on the same floor at the hotel and i remember him saying you know that he's doing autographs somewhere and, and he and, and he said uh i said something about guardians as very he goes well yeah he goes he's because james gunn admitted it i mean I, you know because he put he, james gunn put him in guardians too he's one of the oh. gold Dude, he's like the right hand man of the gold woman in um, in Guardians uh, Part Two. So okay. he clearly was looking at Farscape when he was coming up with the dynamic of these characters on in Guardians. Uh, but it was interesting. But the other show was Remington Steel, and I thought <laughs> we just talked about this, and here it is. The entire series is streaming on on Prime, and yes, yes. Even the one with Tom Baker, I watched that one too. Oh, I thought you'd, there'd be a paywall, which was because just, that's how they that's how they get money out of Remington Steel. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, watching that Baker episode was such a time travel moment. Oh yeah, I, I haven't seen it since. Of getting the North American Doctor Who Appreciation Society newsletter, which had reprinted the studio black and white shots of of Pierce Brosnan and Tom Baker, and telling us that he was going to be on the show you know, waiting whatever night that was, sitting in front of the TV, waiting for Tom Baker to be in this thing, and he doesn't say two words in the in the whole thing. Um, but it was, again, I'm looking at the show going, this was a really good show. Like, the there was good writing, but Brosnan is fantastic in it. He he really is. If, you, if anybody listening, if you think I'm being silly, if you haven't seen this show in 30 years, whatever, just pull out a couple of random episodes and and look at how great Pierce Brosnan is in this in this series. He's completely dynamic. He's he's got great comedic timing. He's suave as can be. Um, he he was just you know and, was, and you know what he smells nice. And he, you can smell him through the television. How yeah. good he smells, like just ridiculously good looking. Um, and he he's terrific. I mean I'm not sure he's been that good since. I'll be honest because did you ever see a movie he did called The Matador? It was him no. and Greg. Um, he's got a mustache in it. And he's like an assassin. 
and he's, he's fantastic. And you're like, give him something to do. He's really good when you give him good stuff. I, I, I remember liking uh, Pierce Brosnan in a movie with Michael Caine. Oh, uh, fourth uh, protocol. The fourth protocol. Fourth protocol. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that yeah. in the theater, and I thought I he was. Theater I, too. I thought he pulled off the 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 Russian spy thing pretty good. Yes, he was he was a Russian spy, and his first movie, his first on-screen appearance, he doesn't say a word, but his first movie is uh, in The Long Good Friday with Bob Hoskins. 19. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was kind of a fun thing to 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 watch, and then of course all the faces that show up in it that you um, the usual roster of guest stars that showed up in, in shows. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then it, like at one point, Dolores Roberts shows up as the, the secretary. Oh and yeah. Nails on a chalkboard, every scene with her, but um, hot off the set of Angie. Angie. Oh my God. I was thinking about her too. Who's the sister that was on Angie. Remember the sister with the kind of overbite. I don't she, remember. I I, I kind of had a crush on Donna Pascal. Oh, um, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, the younger sister on the show, I think it's it's the one. She kind of had a bit of an overbite, redhead. She was also a sweat hog. She was like an honorary sweat hog on. Connor. Oh, Deborah Lee Scott. Yeah, Lee yeah. Scott. And she was in. Uh, I'm pretty sure she was in Angie. Wasn't she the sister in Angie? She was, and she was just on. A love boat. And I was like, I know this girl. Um, but it was driving me crazy. Yeah. I haven't, I ha- and yeah. she showed, was on Match Game all the time, too. I bet like, she was. I think Pyramid, maybe, or Hollywood Squares. It's a very distinct face. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. Much. And she, because you could have a face like that back then and get loads of work. Like, she was a, a attractive young woman, but she had this overbite that was. Yeah. Her signature look, kind of, and it didn't stop her getting sold. Yeah, yeah, you you couldn't do that today. Um, What else you got? What's next? Oh, um, okay. Well, after uh, I I, I, did, I tell the story on the air. I'm not sure I did, but we we had a rough February where we were supposed to go to ZoloCon, my son and I, and uh, we got refused at the American border. Oh, I think uh, I'm not sure we talked about it, but I think oh, okay. we put something up about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, it was it was BS, and the guy was throwing his weight around. But on the way back, you know, I think I was more angry about you know missing out on the road trip with my son more than I was um, missing the show. And mm-hmm. um, we decided to pull over in one town because they have uh, uh, Toys R Us and a Sunrise. And, you know, just to kind of, like, get over it and, you know, we could hit the mall like a couple of gals. Yeah. And um, I picked up a couple of movies. Oh. And the one, there's one I had seen and one I haven't seen. And the one I hadn't seen was a film called Patrick. Um, the, the Canadian one? It's the Australian. Original, the original one? Or Austra- was it Australian? It was Australian. He's in a coma and he's... Yeah. Oh, See, okay, you've never seen that, the original one. You never no, it's it. like a carry exploitation kind of thing. Yes. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's in a coma, right? And he can move shit with his mind and shit? Yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know how to explain this film. 
basically uh he's a young man in a coma the uh, he had killed his mother and her lover by i think throwing a toaster or a, a lamp into the bed and then he's been in a coma ever since and uh, they believe like this woman gets hired to take care of him as a nurse and it's got all these like kind of unsympathetic characters in it like the doctor and the ner- the the head nun yeah and there it's it's kind of hitchcocky in a little bit as well yeah and um although i guess you know de palma was also channeling hitchcock with carrie but uh it just has a an interesting vibe to it and i'd never got, seen it because it really didn't interest me all that much i like um, there was so much stuff in Australian cinema at one point in my life where it's like, oh, yeah, I'll, no, I want I want that. I'll, I'll wait on that. You know, I want to <laughs> see more cars explode. Right. And um, but I'm at that point now where it's like, what's that about? You know, um, so, I, you know, I checked it out and it's 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 definitely an interesting film. I could see why it got remade. And. Um, what I really liked about it was the actors that they got for these parts are like hammer cast. You know, like mm. hammer could the, the woman doing the laundry is the most perfectly cast laundry woman you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, you know, these are just, these are just Australian actors, but uh, they've really cast incredibly well. And the fact that you don't recognize them from anything else really adds to the film Mm. you know you know what i mean like it gives it a gravitas yeah i I remember being kind of grubby like i haven't seen it in decades Mm. but it was one of those things that i'd always kind of heard about or saw the video box at the video store sort of thing um yeah um and then 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 it it shows up in that uh uh not quite hollywood not quite hollywood yeah which i did recently i did rewatch after uh, that that is one of the best that is one of the best documentaries about movies ever i think that is yeah I would, I would give that one um machete maidens unleashed is another you know uh chef's kiss of a film too yeah and yeah. i actually i actually have the the region two uh like they re-released the the, the not quite hollywood on dvd yeah and it's got loads of extras and it's got like an hour long extra interview with Tarantino going on about what he loves about that era of, of filmmaking, you know, right. and uh, what's the one, the Stacy Keach one, Stacy Keach and Jamie Lee Curtis road, road kills or road, road games. Yeah. I had, I had watched games. that uh, a couple of months ago, actually. I did too. I watched it yeah. like, like a month back. I was going to mention that among these because yeah, uh, I couldn't believe how good that movie was. I haven't seen it since, again, like it's like a VHS thing because I knew who Stacy Keach was. Um, but it's really good. Like it really holds up. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it, it's uh, it's actually, it's, it's quite scary. It times. is. It totally is. Yeah. Yeah, it totally is. And it's a weird character. Like his, his character is kind of weird and, you know, uh, just, just, just an just odd uh, but the the inner monologues you know him thinking to himself about you know having the multiple conversations in his head and stuff um 
uh, with, you know, in his, in his voice saying, no, but maybe he wouldn't, ah, but he only does it on Thursdays. Yeah, but he wouldn't make that mistake as he's driving the truck and stuff. Just really good stuff. Very, mm-hmm. very. But yeah, I should rewatch Patrick. It's probably streaming somewhere. Uh, yeah, I should have I should have checked, but uh, I did enjoy it. And I think it's got uh, commentary on it. So I'll rewatch it again. Okay. Um, the, the other film I picked up. Theater of Blood. Oh, yeah. Um, I think we talked about it not long ago when we talked about like the menu. Um, uh, I think we did. Yes. Yeah. Did. Yeah. 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 The, 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 you know, I, I find like Theater of Blood and the menu are kind of uh like a, a series almost yeah kind of yeah yeah i mean theater of blood is just such it's so camp you know it's so high, high. it's so fucking it's so wonderful though yeah uh like it, yeah. it's it really is like vincent price who's a fantastic actor uh and you know shakespearean actor yeah basically giving the middle finger in a, in a you know a gleeful way to critics and um, totally yeah and what I really I think what also makes me like this movie so much is my dad really likes it oh because he's the one who told me about it he's like oh yeah Vincent Price is I think he and I can honestly tell you 100 percent my father was flicking channels and Diana Rigg was on the screen that'll do <laughs> and it and he just he just, you know, sat back down because um, he was a big Emma Peel fan. Um, and then he just watched the film, but he really dug its sense of humor. He was, you know, he was telling me about the feeding. Um, I hope I'm not spoiling this for anybody. If I am, my goodness. Uh, um, I mean, it's possible, I suppose. But um, yeah, you know, go ahead. You, so I, it was I, go ahead. feeding. Uh, feeding uh, um, his dogs to him, you know, the critic, and then uh, being the hairdresser named Butch. I mean, it's so fun. Might be his finest hour. Yeah. Being hairdresser Butch, and then Diana Rigg with the fro and the tag. Oh! (laughs) Is, Is that, when you see a, you know, a photo from that scene with the two of them, it's like... I mean, it's just that's that is everything that that's, movie. that's people having fun. Right. Yes. There. Yes. That is people having fun. Yeah. She was she could do no wrong at that point. I mean, she was doing she went from Avengers to Bond to the hospital with George C. Scott, Theater of Blood, the Assassination Bureau with uh, Oliver Reed and Telly Savalas, um, which is a great little sleeper um, spy kind of kind of flick. Um, uh Oh, no, I'm sorry. Maybe Herbert Long. It might not be Telly Savalas. I forget who's in that. Um, but it's Oliver Reed and her. Like she was just just cranking. She also out. had a. She also had like a sitcom. Um, uh, she did uh, in the mid seventies, early seventies, I think. Early seventies. I watched the first episode. I think it was on YouTube, and it's like, yeah, I see why this didn't last. Um, because it's just kind of built around her name, but there's not much to it. What was the one? What was the one that you discovered, or we? simultaneously discovered and it was was there a mason reese pilot where he's yeah yeah um, there and, is a mason reese tv pilot and you know who put that on youtube you did mason reese oh he did oh yeah well blossom i you know yeah 
But isn't it like his dad hates him or something? It's just a weird sitcom. It's a very strange. He's a precocious um, little boy. And yeah, he's way too smart, I think, is the whole premise of it. Like all the in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, It it isn't the worst. Like, you know, sometimes you're watching a busted pilot and like minute one, you're like, this sucks. This is yeah. absolutely the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah, that that would um, be a description of the one with Dick Sean playing Dracula, moving his family to New York, the wife and two kids. It's it's a, I think it only was just the pilot, and I forgot what it's called. <laughs> I didn't even I've never heard of that one, and I one I'm of the afraid you're bullshitting me, but I'm also not not I wish, confident I wish enough. I, Dick Sean is Dracula. He's married with a couple of kids. And uh, for financial reasons, I think, they had to move from Transylvania to to New York. And he even, all I'll say is at one point, he even sucks the blood from someone and starts to speak jive in this in this pilot. Wow. It, it, was, it is one of the most horrendous 30-minute things you'll ever see in your life. And it... Uh, <laughs> It aired. Okay, you know what? That's that's an that's another episode for us. I think we should go through busted TV pilots. Oh, it's a great idea. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So this is this has been a good thought process this episode. But yeah. Oh my God. Because I like I now want to just derail this whole show and talk about that. And that my God, there were two episodes of Mister and Mrs. Dracula. Ah, Mister and uh, Mrs. Dracula. That's the one. Mr. and Mrs. Dracula. Oh. Wow. I, I thought it was just a pilot. Yeah, no, there's two of them. There's uh they 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 saw the first pilot and said, We're not there yet. And did we're the, almost the, there. We did the Star Trek, you know. <laughs> we believe in this terrible thing. So there are uh, they I think either they yeah. They fired Carol Lawrence as Mrs. Dracula and brought in Paula Prentice, um, who's oh. really having a banner year in 81 with horror comedies. That's because like, That's like the super train way of making a show. Yeah. Like, they put all that money into super train, and I think they aired like five episodes, and somebody went, yeah, we got to revamp the show. It's just not working. <laughs> And they change it slightly, and it still doesn't get. But they spent so much money, like it almost bankrupted the network because the Olympics got canceled that year or something, and all that all that airtime is gone, and all the sponsorship and everything. So everything was riding on Super Train. And halfway through, somebody somebody at the network went, "Yeah, I, I know how we can make this better." <laughs> and they tweaked it, and it didn't do any good, and it was just as stupid as it was. Like you know, disappointed because I don't. I I was obviously um just not available for the original run of Super Train that seemed to have gone on like in a very short window, like you know uh, a couple of days it felt like. But I saw a picture of it in Starlog. Yes, after same it had been yeah. canceled, and I was like, "What Super Train? What you know what?" And you're a champion to everything that got canceled, and you want to seek it out. Yeah. And I, mean, uh, I seem to recall watching the TV movie 
because mm-hmm. it wouldn't be those things that I saw a commercial for and went, ooh, you know, that looks like a something resembling sci-fi or the future or something. Yeah, yeah. You know? it just has enough, yeah, yeah tinfoil in it. It was them trying to do the love boat. They wanted a love boat. Yeah. Um, because each, and you're just like, in the in the in the planning stages, anybody could have said, "This is not the love boat." Like, what what do we? So they ended up like one of the cars. I think is like a disco. One's got hot tubs in it. You know, like like trying. And each episode was going to be, you know, a bunch of guest stars coming in and having some kind of you know sex capades or exploits or something. Um, but it just doesn't have. <laughs> the love boat is a boat. You're outside the sun, the romance, everything. A train. But how far are we going? You know, how long is how long yeah. is this trip? Because it's the fastest thing on Earth. Like, wh- how long is this trip going to be? Uh, it's just stupid from top to bottom. It's just it's just it just stinks of, again, way too much cocaine in Hollywood. They really, really should have got those blimp shows off the ground. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's next? What's next after Super Train? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we got to do a blimp. Um, what was the other thing I just, okay, I'll say, I'll get this out of the way. Um, we've talked about Star Trek before and the new Paramount Plus stuff and everybody's mileage varies. Same with the Star Wars stuff. And that's all okay. There's enough of it to go around. If you love it all, that's great. If you hate it all, that's fine. Um, for me personally, giving everything a chance that Paramount Plus has, has given us, none of it has impressed me. None of it has, um, I've watched probably far more of it than I should trying to give it a chance. And the one that I was most excited about really was Strange New Worlds, which is not bad. It's just it just I wish they would give me an adventure show kind of thing. Um, Well, I don't know if you've seen any of it or anybody else has, but season three of Picard is the best Star Trek thing I have seen in decades. Uh, Next to, you know, the, the first Abrams movie that I think is great um and the original cast uh and again i know enough about next generation to to get by at references in this thing um and very little about the rest of the the shows but i can fill in the blanks i just think this show is incredible it's just like somebody said look we're going to do one more season who wants to do it and this guy stepped up as a showrunner and from the first episode on you go this is what happens when you give it to somebody who knows what they're doing and that loves this stuff. And uh, I just think it's I, I, I can't believe how good it is that. And part of it is that I'm you know, it's like, why didn't we get this earlier? Like, why? Why couldn't we have gotten this kind of uh, a narrative or acting or writing? Uh, because the first two seasons of Picard were just I don't even remember what they were about. Uh, but this one brings back the, the next generation cast or most of them. Um, it's got bits of Wrath of Khan adventure kind of things in it and, and, uh, you know, um, not dog fights, but, you know, war, war games and, uh, lots of winking at the audience of little Easter eggs that I wouldn't necessarily catch. Um, and everybody's great in it. And Jonathan Frakes is fantastic. I, I never thought I'd ever say that because he's You're fine. I've always, I've always liked him. He's fine, but he, yeah. he is the MVP in this show. Like he is just so good in every scene um, and everybody in it is great. Uh, so I wanted to give a shout out to that and say, if you haven't watched any of this stuff or you've been disappointed, trust me and get on Picard season three. Cause it's been great. Yeah. I I've heard good things, but 
the problem is I never liked the next generation. So I, I did, you're ta- again, you're preaching to the choir. Like yeah. I, I, I've watched enough of it and none of it gets my, my juices going. But when you, there's, you, you'd be hard pressed, you know, however, however you feel about it, when you see these faces that you're familiar with in scenes together, if you know enough about the characters, it has a weight to it. And none of it is, None of it is wasted. Like every scene, uh, you know, leads to the next one. Every every episode, you know, it, it's it's not just sentimentality or, you know, let's let's mention that line again or something. It's it's not like that at all. It's being done. Um, it's it's shocking how well this guy is juggling it. You know, it's you know the same people behind the scenes like Shaban and and Kurtzman and those. But I don't think they're involved. I think it's all this guy, Terry Metalis, whatever his name is, that clearly just loves this universe. Um, and it's great. It's like the, the thing about it is, too, it's, I think it's 12 episodes or t- maybe there's three left or four left. But very much like Andor, it's, it's doing them in blocks where, you know, one, the first three episodes is almost like an arc. Now, it's, it's all in relatively the same time zone. But it's almost like that was a movie. And then the next three or four episodes, like, oh, that's a movie. And then and so on. And and each one, each few, every few episodes, it kind of ends a chapter and continues the story. Uh, and it's just really, really well done. I can't recommend it enough. Mm. So, yes, I've been enjoying that a great deal. That was the next one I wanted to mention. Yeah, I, I do like Strange New Worlds, but it's, you know. Um, teach their own, I guess, on Star Trek. Um, it, it embodies enough of what I liked on the original shows to keep going with it. Yeah, I, I, I like, I love the guy playing Pike, and um, I don't mind the, the Spock dude. Yeah. I, I think he does a pretty good job. Um, I don't love all the crew, but, you know, give me a good story and I can, I can get past that. I can overlook it. Yeah. Uh, what what's next? What do you got next? Um, I checked out that history of the world show from Disney Plus. Uh, the Mel Brooks. Yeah. Yeah, I think I saw the first episode. I think I've watched about five or six of them now. Okay. Um, it's it's actually not bad. Um, oh, okay. I I don't um, I don't hold history of the world, the film in that much high regard. Um, right. It's it's, it's yeah, it's hit or miss it, and I like its energy, but it doesn't necessarily to me it's not like a comedy where I think, oh damn, they were just firing on all cylinders, you know. Um Right. So um I like the passing of the baton. I like most of the people involved. Like I'm a I like Wanda Sykes and um uh gosh there's a whole bunch of people in this one um ike Barinholtz and uh, uh uh bobby hill the the lady who does bobby hill um oh yeah um i had drinks with her a couple times oh no kidding uh amela adlon amela adlon yes yeah and um yeah it, it works for me i, I kind of like some of where it's going um hmm. I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't say it's a rush out and see, but you know, if you're if you're bored, it's actually pretty darn good. Okay. At least I'm. At least I've laughed at some of the stuff. Not all the stuff, but 
you know, they've modernized it a bit, um, and it, it works for the parody. Mm. You know, I, I don't think I don't think Brooks ever visited the set. <laughs> you know, mm. Mm. <laughs> but he's narrating it, and he you does. You don't think nice he wrote things. every every script? I'm pretty sure he just went whatever. <laughs> Uh, we're, he's a national treasure. We're gonna... Hey, you know, if this was like uh, Young Frankenstein too, I'd be a little bit like, no, no, please. But this is, you know, this is history of the world. We, we're okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of affection, I think, for the first film. Yeah. But it it really, you know, front to back, it's not that funny of them. It's got funny stuff in it, yeah. but it's it's just not in in the league of producers, Young Frankenstein. Um, uh, I mean, of course, Young Frankenstein was written by Gene Wilder, but Brooks helped and he directed it. But, you know, that the trifecta of um, I mean, 12 chairs was in between producers and um, Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles. But those are the three producers, yeah. Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles. And then it's diminishing after that high anxiety and, and so on. But yeah, but uh, he's a national treasure. Well, I'm going to pull one out. That's uh, that's an odd one that I I remember when this came out and I went, Oh, I can't wait to see that. And then I never saw it. And now I found it again. And so I saw it. Did you remember a movie called primer? Yes, I saw uh, it. Okay. So primer was done, was written and directed and starred a guy named Shane Carruth. And a um, mathematician, he, right? I, I, is he a mathematician? Like in real life, was he a mathematician? Is that yeah, I story? thought so. Yeah, uh, that would make sense because uh, because Primer is one of those movies that, you know, I don't know what the fu- I, you know, you, if you put a gun to my head and said, you know, where did <laughs> how much of that do you remember? It's like, no, it's, it's a good movie, but it's so it, it's almost too clever for its own good. Um, but it's very, very well done. And then he made a, a second film, which the title escapes me. Um, and then he just had all these other things that he tried to get off the ground that didn't happen. One of them he got so frustrated with, he actually uh, released the script. It was like a 180 page script that he released to Twitter. And uh, I haven't read the whole thing, but people say it is absolutely incredible. And like, how could, you know, why, how come this couldn't get made? Anyway, um, there was another movie that was, uh, he did not direct it, but he's in it. And it's called The Dead Center. Okay. Uh, It's on Prime. And uh, I'll give you the, the tag, the log log thing. Uh, uh, as a very dead suicide victim disappears from the morgue, troubled psychiatrist Daniel Forrester, Shane Carruth from Primer, is drawn to help a mysterious catatonic patient in the emergency psych ward where a spate of mysterious deaths occur. As Forrester investigates further, a desperate race begins against the forces of evil that threaten to swallow him whole. It is very good. And it is really unsettling. Like, it's just, you know, not in a gory way, not in a slasher, nothing like that. Just the the concept of this this suicide victim uh, sort of coming back and this guy working on the psych ward. This all happening in, the, in a matter of a couple of nights. Really surprisingly good. And um, I like finding stuff like that, that you kind of go, oh, that, you know, like the trailer that you watch and you go, oh, that looks really good. And then sometimes you, you get 20, 30 minutes into the thing. You're like, this is going to go nowhere. This is everything good was in the trailer, but this is a really good movie. I recommend it. It's called the dead center. 
the Dead Center uh, from, from 2019. Yeah, I I uh, I haven't seen um, I haven't seen that guy since Primer. Yeah, yeah, because I saw this the second movie he did, wrote and directed. It's really complex. Like it lost me, and it's called The Color of Something or Something in the Color or Something. Um, and it just nobody really paid attention to it. It got good reviews, but it it didn't do what Primer did. And now I think he's left the industry kind of because he just couldn't get shit off the ground. Um, but That's he's really good. In this. He's really good and very natural in it. Um, so uh, I recommend that to everyone. That's a, that's a great choice. Um, yep. Yeah, I was trying to figure out the documentary I was watching. And when I decided to go look at my uh, history, I decided that it would be better to delete all my history. Yeah, uh, always a policy with you. I would just say, no, no, no. This is this is this is this is the good boy computer. Uh, <laughs> I can't. Oh, I can't remember what it is. Um, what, what was that thing? Was it a show it, or? Well, I you know I, I like to go on Tubi and watch my favorite things in the world are filmmaking documentaries. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, people are like, do you watch a lot of toy videos? And it's like, no, I'm because I. I already make them. Uh, I like uh, schlock and underground horror. And I, I can't figure out what the name of the film was now, but it was basically a state of the union for independent film. Mm. And, you know, it had like Lloyd Kaufman and it explained what what's changed and how like some of these guys can't even stream their movies mm. because they get pulled for weird reasons. And, you know, just how we're killing a, a piece of of our culture you know mm. a lot of great ideas come out of independent cinema mm-hmm. and um I, I would really like to remember what the name of that film was um mm. but unfortunately i screwed that up oh it's uh, funny cause you're making me think about a documentary i just watched recently i think it was about film or a filmmaker I, I, there's another one I really like because I just watched with my daughter uh, the movie God Told Me To. Oh, yeah. I watched that like I think about a year ago I watched that. Yeah. Joseph, and the Bologna? Not Bologna. Michael Moriarty. Yeah, but who's the, isn't there an Italian guy, one of the leads? Michael Moriarty. And who's the other guy? Is it Franciosa, Tony Franciosa? Oh, um. Is that the guy? No, I, I, um. I was just Michael thinking that it has Andy Kaufman in it. And Michael Moriarty's in, in Q as well. Mike, is, yeah, Michael Moriarty, I'm pretty sure it was Moriarty. Um, or am I, I wrong? Know. Am I getting two movies mixed up? You know what? Moriarty oh. is not in it. Um, is it Yosa? I'm getting him mixed up with uh, with uh, Q. It's uh, Tony LeBlanco? Tony LeBianco. Yeah, totally, Tony LeBianco. <laughs> I work with, like, James Franciscus, Tony Franciosa, Tony LoBianco, you know, uh, Vinnie Boombots, I think was another guy. <laughs> there were all all these like sort of cut rate De Niro and Pacinos they'd get for stuff because they sounded Italian. Yeah, it's yeah. that was a weird film. But I what what I enjoyed about watching it with my daughter was I explained to her that Cohen never got any permits. Yeah, so, like this is real New York in a film. Oh, so yeah. look around and that's just people being people in 19, you know, was it 77? 
They, they uh, would have like shooting scenes without. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, can you imagine what people were thinking? Yeah. You know, as he was making it, like, like, you know, they're blanks, but like shooting scenes. Well, yeah, God told me to has a mass shooting by a police officer at the St. Yeah. Patrick's Day Parade. <laughs> I mean, that kind of filmmaking just doesn't just doesn't exist. Probably. Yeah. Figured. When my friend and I were drinking vodka in the playground, <laughs> we got charged. But not not, not Larry Cohen. Not Larry Cohen. Yeah, he, he just he he was I mean, there's a great interview that, you know, Joe Bob Briggs interviewed him, I think, on one of the drive in shows. Yeah. Uh, and, Bo, you know, Briggs is a huge fan of his stuff and yeah. just add, it, it fits. They're made for each other. Yeah. And the other guy, who's the guy that did Basket Case? Oh, um, again, independent. You know, he did. Yeah. That. Didn't uh, he do, same guy did Frankenhooker. Is that the same yeah. guy? I, I I know who he is and I can see him and he was actually I have a documentary where he's doing the oh my goodness um he's doing the narration for it oh my yeah I can't remember his name well, I'll tell you what else uh, Amazon Prime is good for they they dig out all you know how you know things like Corvette Summer or like um, you know the Van. These shitty late 70s, you know, teens smoking joints. Frank Henlotter, by the way. Um, Frank Henlotter, yes. Um, um, yeah, no, I, yeah. The, the, what, got a ton of these things like Blue Summer. Yeah, I, I, call, I call them like booby movies. Booby movies. They're yeah. Movies. Teenagers pack a van full of beer and go on the road in search of Woo! Yeah. Uh, uh, school. Uh, you know, all these like, you know, ridiculous you know, two dollar movies that were made in the in the mid. Oh yeah, well, you know, I think it's Fred Olin Ray right? said, "Bare breasts are the greatest and cheapest special effect." Yeah. And um, you know, I picked up like when I bought the Al Adamson set off of mm-hmm. uh, was Vinegar Syndrome or no, it was a uh, Severin. Um, Severin. I thought I'm going to just go through his entire film catalog. I want to watch every iteration of his films. And I did this and it was painful, Uh, you know, to watch a movie that sucked and then they retitled it and added new scenes and now it still sucks. And that, you know, but I, I did it. I I was, you know, just trying to, (laughs) trying to, to stick to something. Nerves of steel. And the hardest thing to watch were his booby movies because I don't care. Um, you know, like there's <laughs> there's nothing here for me anymore, it, you know. Yeah, it's the it's the the fascination with finding these things, these crappy, you know, is yeah. I love the look like especially if it's an LA thing where you you like, oh the god, they just I sent you a picture from one I think was, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. It came out in seventy seven, but it was clearly filmed in seventy six, and these chicks get in like a van to go have a good time. And they drive down sunset past the Cinerama Dome, and there's a giant poster for Logan's Run painted yeah. on in front of the dome. Oh like, yeah, that that's 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 uh, a charm of these movies. Um yeah. but you know I I view them like, how do I put this? Because, like, sometimes, like, I'll watch one of the old nudies from the 60s, mm. and it's it's mainly for the, like, bizarre choices made in the film as opposed to the nudity. But 
there's nothing really to hang my hook on on like yet another parody of I, I don't even know what movies these are parodying. You know what I mean? Like they're not quite like I like bad Animal House ripoffs. Yeah. But just the teenagers in Malibu, like I bleh, there's nothing there for me. Yeah. Uh, they're it's, they're not it's, campy. They're they're not innocent. They're just kind of a you know a, a rapper. Uh, the the brown bag around cheap wine, you know. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I don't I don't really I don't know I I just that is the one genre where I just go I have no nostalgia for this. It's boring, mm. you know. Yeah, it's just it's it, to me it's like a, it's like an oddity you come across and you're like I didn't even know that I I I never heard of this one. How bad is yeah. it? Usually I get like 15 minutes in and go, this is just unwatchable. Like this is, this yeah. is, you just can't, you just can't. Uh, there, there's a movie that's called Gorp. And I I remember reading about it in the Malton book. And it was just like this kind of like, you know, meatballs, animal house knockoff. Mm. And, and, and Malton had just like thrown like, you know, lightning bolts like Zeus would on this thing. He really hated it. Mm. And, you know, he just, it was, it was like a big manifesto about don't watch this unless you think the word quaalude is hysterically funny. <laughs> and that piqued my curiosity. And um, a couple of, a couple of weeks ago, I started looking for the film, if I could find it on Vimeo or YouTube. So no, G-O-R-P. no, sir. Gorp? Gorp, G-O-R-P, yeah. And um, I couldn't find it. You had to pay for it. And it's Uh, like, no, I don't think that's um, in the cards. But there was like about a two and a half minute trailer. And I watched that trailer. And um, yeah, no, never need to see this film. Uh, It just, it set... It's set in a Jewish summer camp, and um, it's, uh, like, wacky is what I would call it. If you can find um, it free, then you'd probably sit through some of it, but you ain't paying some for it. Some of it. But when I sat through the trailer, I went, there's nothing good in this trailer, so there can't be anything good in the film. Um, mm. So it actually has Dennis Quaid. Uh, Fran oh. Drescher, wow, Rosanna what? Arquette, and uh, Captain Cool himself from the Croft Super Show, Michael Lembeck. Um, Son of um, Blah Blah Lembeck. Who is that's a, right. Blah Blah Lembeck. Comedic um, actor from, uh, he was in Stalag 17. Um, for now I can't think of his name. Um, uh, what year was that? Uh, Gorp? Gorp, 1980. 1980. Wow. God, really? That Dennis Quaid had made Breaking Away by then, and he was. Well, he must have. uh, Yeah, he must have been already assigned to this before. Maybe. Yeah, could maybe uh, could be because Breaking Away I think was 79. I think. Yeah, Yeah, and this came out in May of 1980. So. He probably filmed this after Breaking Away. That could be. I'm trying to find this movie, and you may need to look it up uh, while we're on the phone because I have to keep the dog at bay here while I hold my phone at the same time. But um, 
it's done by these uh, these these two guys. Um, they're I can't think of their names, but um, they co-write these movies, and one of them directs them, and they're both in them. Um, and there's one they did called The Endless that I might have talked about before. That's from like seven six seven years ago. Uh, they're a pair of brothers that um, they used to be in a cult and they're now kind of, you know, living their lives, you know, making their way. One's a little one's a little more naive than the other one. And they get a um, oh, me- I remember this film. They get a message from the people still in the cult saying you should come visit. We, we miss you guys. Just come for a visit, blah, blah, blah. And they go out to this area to visit them and everybody looks the same, like kind of how they did when they left the cult when they were younger. Everybody looks really good. And to go any further than that would would start to spoil it. But that's one of the that's kind of how I discovered who these guys were. And it turns out they made a film prior to that that acts as uh, a chapter one that gets you to the endless. Uh, But the newest one they did and they did it during COVID is called Something in the Dirt. And it came out uh, last year. And I think now it's streaming on, I think it's on Amazon Prime. Um, and it's a really interesting movie. These two guys living in the same building, one just moves into the apartment next door, kind of thing, and they just start hanging out. They start talking about things, and which leads to kind of talking about conspiracies and, you know, what's happening in the world. And then it leads to f- discovering something um, they find outside and they bring it in the apartment. And it just starts to starts to you know develop from there that like okay are these guys are they nuts is this really happening are they have they been cooped up for too long you know and it's all of their work the the three or four movies these guys have done uh they did another one recently with anthony mackie and another guy i forget where they there's a drug it's in the slight future where there's a drug that um is having this effect where it's it's pulling you out of time and dropping you into another, uh, uh, the past kind of thing. And it, it didn't really work that well, but those three movies that something in the dirt, which is not connected to any of them, but that's the most recent one. It's really good. And if you like it, then find, um, uh, the endless. And I can't think of the one before the endless, but the, the one before the endless, whatever it's called, it's basically uh, two friends. One uh, is going through uh, withdrawals, drug withdrawals, and the other friend's trying to get him off of drugs. And he kind of gets him out to a cabin in the woods, and, like handcuffs him until he can, you know, knock some sense into him. And weird things start to happen. They're really smartly written. It's got to do with uh, time, you know, jumping around a bit. And um, all of the all of the scripts they've written have been really intelligently done. Uh, and again, makes me think of it because you were talking about indie filmmaking. Like, that's what these guys have done. Like, they although they've now I think they've directed like a couple episodes of Loki. I think they they jumped in to either write or direct a couple of episodes, and they've done other episodic uh, TV. Um, but they're really an interesting voice. The two of these these two guys. Yeah, so, I I've, I've forgotten all about that film you just mentioned about. The Two Brothers in the Cult. I think my wife watched that. Oh, really? Yeah, it sounds so familiar. But she she watches a lot of movies, so um, it's on Prime. So I, I be, wouldn't be surprised if she came across it and got intrigued. Yeah, uh, it's really interesting. It's it's uh, uh, they they're just really. I don't want to say too much because they're really smart little avenues they go down in these scripts. Um, 
and then something in the dirt is is the most recent one. It really plays to when they made it, you know, during lockdown, writing it during lockdown, filming, you know, COVID, and you know how everyone's gone conspiracy crazy the last few years, and um, these two guys start to kind of unravel. Um, and it's it's really good stuff. That's cool. I yeah. um I I checked out Bullet Train. Um, oh uh, yeah. That, okay. What did you think of Bullet Train? I really enjoyed it. Um, okay. I found it uh, a throwback to a 1960s film. Yeah, it it was kind of. It did have a bit of that. Yeah. I I wanted I wanted I wanted so much more because it's such a great idea. The characters, the you know, Pitt. Um, I just don't think he ever turns it up enough. I wish he would turn it up more. Cause he's just, he's just so movie star, you know? Um, but it looked great. Um, and I love the two, the two brothers, the twins. Oh uh, yeah. They were, they were awesome. Yeah. Great. And you know, Aaron Taylor Johnson is one of those guys that's, he's different in everything he does. Like you, you, yeah. you most people wouldn't know that he's the dude from kick-ass, you know, that that's, or, the yeah, same. that he's, um, he's the dude from Godzilla or yeah. Dude. Godzilla and, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, Avengers, uh, Ultron. Um, he played John Lennon uh, in a movie called Nowhere Boy, which is a really good film, and he, he does a really good job in it. Rumors keep floating around about him being the next James Bond. Now, they're probably just wishful thinking, but I'd love to see him as Bond. I think he would do a really good job because he's just effortless in, in, in Bullet Train. I thought he was just great. You know? Yeah, he was he was a lot of fun with that character. It was amazing how they turned that around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh it was fun. I thought I thought it was fun. I just I guess I wanted a little bit more from it. Oh really? I, I, don't, I, I, don't I had no expectations. That. I just I'm excited when I'm, you know, twenty minutes in and I'm still going at this yeah. point. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's a good looking film. Like it looks great. The yeah. visual everything are really good well what was really funny was my wife wanted to watch um i don't know what it was called but it had sandra bullock and channing tatum in it oh boy yeah yeah it was that movie um yeah and you know uh she couldn't get it uh we don't have uh i don't know paramount plus or whatever the service is so I said, well, let's put on this movie. And I was like, you know, by the end of it, I said to her, there, you got your Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. Because <laughs> they're both they're both in Bullet Train. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I Sometimes, as we've gone over many times on this show, I can't help myself. Like, I have this masochistic need to, like, if I'm going to trash something, I need to, or, like, something just free shows up and just go okay it's free okay you know what i'll have it on the background Mm -hmm. that way committed and so i did the the sandra bullock channing tate and brad pitt thing in the background and i just it just made me angry i just got more angry at like the money the, the 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 vast sums of money spent on a movie like this and like just the same tired gags and tropes and goes nowhere and um, you know, it, it just even not not even paying a, a full attention to it, it 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 made me want to want to kill someone. So <laughs> tell her that I did the work for her, and she doesn't need to 
Yeah, that's that's fine. I, I don't care if she ever sees it or if she, I don't think she'll care because she'll just forget about it. Good. Now, what yeah. about what do you think of 80 for Brady? 80 for Brady. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't make fun. It's the movie where Jane Fonda, Rita Moreno, uh, Sally Field and somebody else, they're all 80 and they're in love with Tom Brady. So they go across country to see Tom Brady play football, apparently. Um, that sounds great. Um. I'll, I'll watch that sometime. <laughs> uh, it's got everything I don't give a crap about in it. <laughs> everything I want in one movie. It's like um, my son. I come upstairs. He just moved back home. and I come upstairs and he's he's watching The Simpsons. And he's like, oh, no, I've run out of new Simpsons. And I said, you know what, buddy? I never will. And, you know. <laughs> Because he was also telling me that they're not very good right now. So, yeah, you're like, no, I got plenty I can still dip into. Um, yeah. There's a there's another show on BritBox uh, called The Cleaner. It's really good. I don't know. If I've seen ads for that. Yeah, it's really funny. It's really. Yeah. It's uh, Greg Davis. If anybody knows who he is, he's probably been in some things that are on Netflix. But he's a he's a British comedian, um, and he's a he cleans up crime scenes. And 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 each it's only like six episodes, and each one is completely different. He's in a different crime scene, but he talks to, you know, the the person that lives there or the victim or whatever it is. Um, also, are you being served? Eleven seasons are up on BritBox. Talk about eleven seasons, three jokes. Talk about never getting sick of something. <laughs> Get on that. I, I when when I wasn't watching Love Boat, I uh, put on the, there's a streaming Doctor Who channel, and uh, it was Earthshock. Oh other. boy! Yeah, you know, so I got to see Beryl Reed. You know what's funny about Earthshock? Nothing. T- well, you know the Cybermen outfits in Earthshock. Yeah. Were recycled for a Kate Bush video called The Dreaming. Yeah, they they were Russian flight suits. I is think. that what that was? Because yeah. I just saw a, a YouTube thing talking about all the ripoff sci-fi from you know from '77 to whenever, and there was some um, Australian uh, movie that has about eight different titles because it's been put out on video so many times. <laughs> and there were this this race of you know these these robot type people in it, and they were wearing the same. The same flight suit. Oh, I know the film you're talking about. It's about uh, 19. Peter Gabriel shows up in it. Yes, it- yes, that's the one that's directed by the same guy who directed Roger Christensen, who directed Roger Christensen. Battlefield yes. Earth. Yeah. Battlefield Earth. Yes. Um, that movie. Okay. That's that movie's boring. Battlefield Earth. No, Battlefield Earth is the greatest film ever made. Uh, no, that that robot one. Yeah. I couldn't get through the clips. I couldn't get yeah. through the highlight clips. You, you, if you've seen the whole thing, you're a bigger man than than me. I'm not a bigger man than you. Uh, uh, I, I've seen clips. Uh, what's his name? Is it Deep Roy? Isn't Deep Roy the hero probably. of that film? Yeah. If, if there's room for Deep Roy, they'll find it. They'll get him something. But I know there's a, the the soundtrack allegedly was done by Tony Banks of Genesis, keyboard player from Genesis. Yeah. And the, that moment in there where someone's looking at a machine and Peter Gabriel shows up doing uh, like the rhythm of the heat or something from um, 
the his album in 82 he's in face makeup and you're like what the f- what is this I mean, what is this that's the part that i had to look up like what the f- yeah what the- it, that movie's called starship starship but it was called yeah. something else like the life and death of chancho luca chancho or something it's got a longer title and then they retitled it starship not to yeah. be confused with the third iteration of Jefferson Airplane. Oh, Lorca and the Outlaws. Lorca and the Outlaws. That was close. I was close to Luca Brazzi sleeps with the fishes or whatever I said. Yes. Um, uh, a couple other movies that show up uh, on HBO Max that I revisited that uh, uh, I love. Uh, one is easier to watch than the other. Eh, depending on who you are, maybe they're not comfortable at all. Uh, Scorsese did a film in 85 called After Hours. Oh, yeah. Griffin Dunn. Uh, one of my favorite things that that Scorsese ever did, and I just think it's it's like the the Jason Lindsay story uh, in 90 minutes, like dates that go wrong. Always fun to watch that. The other movie uh, is a movie called Green Room. Do we ever talk about Green Room? You, ever seen you know, that? I was thinking of checking it out. That's unbelievable. It's so fucking good, man. It yeah, is, it is so good. Um, the dude who uh, wrote and directed it. Uh, the movie he did before this one is called Blue Ruin, and I recommend finding that one too. Um, it's about it, the same one of the same actors is in Green Room, but that one's about a guy who um, goes on kind of a revenge trip. To I, I don't want to say too much about it, but it's 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 gritty, it's kind of darkly funny, but it's it's when you see it, you're just like I've never seen anything like this. It's just a strange. Strange narrative. You just, you just reminded me of a similar film, or at least I think in a similar vein to, to Green Room as a movie I watched recently called VFW. Um, VFW, it's great, great exploitation flick. It's yeah, like, it's, yeah. Okay. It's, yeah, it's it's Carpenter-esque um, is the totally. best example. And uh, boy, did, did I what? really enjoy that film. I, I watched it a couple great. of years ago, and then I rented it. Um, Believe it or not, I, I was so interested in seeing it again. I thought I'll just pay five bucks and see it. And, um, and yeah, got, what's who's the lead? I can't think of his name. But the lead is the same guy that's in Avatar. Yeah, he's he's in he's a guy that started on Broadway. Like he was, I can't think of his name now. But yeah, he, and he played uh, Biff uh, in uh, uh, Death of a Salesman. And then when they did that on CBS, when it was Dustin Hoffman and John Malkovich. Um, it's one of the earliest things he did. And then Michael Mann started put, put him in Manhunter and some other things. And then he just kind of, you know, you'd see him just pop up in things. And then all of a sudden he started showing up. He, he like he, he became his body became different. He became like a like he like a hard ass, you know, like he really got to be this, you know, Soloflex type guy. And he started showing up in more stuff. And then he showed up in in uh, in Avatar. And now he's been, it's been nonstop. And, and and I in Avatar, I really found he was like Mr. Mustache Twirl. Oh uh, yeah, the whole movie's Mustache Twirl. And thing. but uh, in this, it's like it's a different guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's great in it. And yeah, Daniel Daniel Patrick Kelly is that the Daniel? Yeah, Patrick? yeah, the our 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 friend from the Warriors. Uh, yeah, Fred Williamson. Fred Williamson. Uh, Martin Who's Cove. The- Martin Cove, yeah, you're yeah. like, where have you been? Martin yeah. Cove, man, that's a good movie. That's a fun. That's a good movie, and uh, the villain. Uh, what I love about the villain is he's just kind of that right amount of camp 
yeah and 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 threatening yeah uh, I, I, and and it doesn't hurt that he looks exactly like Terrence Stamp as General Zod. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It, take, it like it takes it right up to the line of. I mean, it's definitely exploitation, but it's like, it's it's like a, it's not quite a guilty pleasure. Like it's a well-made film, and it yeah, it does exactly what it says on the tin, kind of like. It, well, you know, except that, um, and this is a problem, and I will fully admit it's my problem. But when I watch something that, you know, someone's made and they say it's Grindhouse. Oh, no. You no. know, it, it's you can't fake that patina. You know, you can't. There's not enough photo filters and, you know, and over the top gore and violence that's computer generated. Like that really that really bothers me. And so for this film to actually never make me cringe well the grindhouse the two grindhouse flicks couldn't even replicate grindhouse and that was they set out to do and they couldn't do it like like this to me is i mean i guess exploitation is the closest word i could use like it's just a kind of gritty you know you know what you know what the outcome of this movie is going to be you know yeah yeah it 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 delivers on everything it is not it is not necessarily artisanal um but it is basically knocking off John Carpenter, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but that's what an exploitation movie does. Yeah, just know? in a quicker way. And it's it's great to see those guys on screen, like seeing them. Yeah, they're so fun. Um, Williamson, yeah. Well, yeah. speaking of Picard, you know, one of the heavies in Green Room is, is Patrick Stewart. Yeah, that was – I was – I wanted to say is that's the one with Patrick Stewart, but I didn't it, want to embarrass myself. It's it's hard to watch for me because I really liked um, what's it, oh the kid the young the Russian kid um, Anton Yelchin. I really liked Anton Yelchin. Everybody I, did. He was you know he, yeah he was a nice boy. He just, um, he just had a likability on screen. He made did some great stuff. He was always good and he had a weird rhythm as a kid. Even the way he kind of delivered lines, he just was. And so, you, you know, it's one of the last things he 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 did, one of the last big movies he did. But it's a it's a it's a it's a kind of a punk film. Like they're this punk band that are looking for gigs and they get this gig in a roundabout way. And it ends up being at a, uh, you know, a, a club for fucking, you know, Nazis, neo-Nazis, white supremacists. Um, and then they just want to get out of there, they just want to get paid and get out of there. And something goes wrong. And yeah. now now they're stuck. And it is so good. It is so good. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I, you know what? That was on. Like I had put a sticky note on that. Like, oh, great. That's the name of that film. And uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that this weekend. Oh, good. Now, did you ever see a movie called Lucy? With um, speaking oh, of exploits, yeah. right? With uh, Scarlett Johansson. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course I did. Yeah. I think that is an underrated flick. I don't know why, but nobody talks about the that movie's insane. I love that movie. Yeah, that's another one that's up on HBO Max. It's like if you haven't seen Lucy, you know, give that one a spin because it is bonkers. Yeah, it's no, I, I I'm a huge fan of that film. Um, yeah, and it's, you're it's right. A, like it just kind of it just kind of isn't talked about, but it's a fun movie. Yeah, it's I think because the trope of like the the young attractive woman suddenly can kick everyone's ass, you know, because she got 
I don't know, she got activated again or brainwashed or she's a fucking android or something. We've seen that so many times. But in this thing, you know, she she ingests a drug um, that gets her to like use the brain. If, you know, they say you're only using like 10 percent of your brain or whatever. She she ends up eating this drug accidentally or something where she's using the full capacity of her brain. Mm, and she's yeah. Coming. It's just it's such a great sci fi you know, slight exploitation kind of kind of trope. Yeah, and, and what I what I appreciate about it again is not a tentpole, not a franchise. Yeah, yeah, just exactly. an idea. Yeah, coming out, you know. Uh, Luc Besson, who's always been yeah. there, but it's a Luc Besson uh, flick, and um, and on the same note, now I had I haven't watched this in years, but did you ever see a movie called Smoke and Aces? Hmm. That sounds really familiar. Another one that's just bonkers. Um, it's um, it's done by, I think, uh, Joe, what's the guy that did? Um, Joe Carnahan, written and directed by Joe Carnahan. Uh, the world's deadliest assassins converge on a Lake Tahoe casino to take their shot at a $1 million hit in this action theater. Ben Affleck, Andy Garcia, Alicia Keys, Ray Liotta, Jeremy Piven, Ryan Reynolds, and a, and a young... Um, uh, uh, Christopher Chris Pine is in it too. One of the first things he did with uh, with Joe Carnahan. No, um, that's up on on Prime as well, and that is a, a underrated little gem if if nobody's seen it. Uh, it's it's batshit crazy, but it's um it's there's something about it. <laughs> it's just yeah, really it's just something special about it. Yeah, it's just kind of nuts, and it's nice to find so like you say, trying to find things that that aren't a remake or isn't, it isn't a part of a franchise or it's not, you know, you know, Casablanca thing that everybody's seen. It's nice to find sleeper stuff that, that you can revisit or, um, you know, that, and, and there's you know, HBO max is doing a great job of, of finding this stuff that you can't find anywhere else, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I'm just trying to think, Oh yeah, this is another thing I watched recently. And that was a 1981 or, yeah, 81 TV movie called The Intruder Within. <clears throat> um, alien it, yeah. on an uh, oil rig. That's the film. This, this sounds from. Is it a TV movie you said? It's or a TV a... movie. Um, and you can find it on YouTube, so don't go uh, seeking it out. Um, and yeah, it is It is essentially they dig too deep. Um and they bring up this thing. It, they can't quite do the chest burster, but um, you know the thing infects them. There's eggs. It's 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 actually quite I, a strange film. I think I've seen this. Who, oh, anybody, I bet you anybody, have. Anybody in it? Any names in it that? <sighs> yeah, I'm trying to dig it up because um, I was I was watching it about a month ago, and. I'll demystify it too because what it was was 1981. Here it is. Yeah, uh, it's got um, Chad Everett, Joseph Bottoms from the Black Hole. Yeah, uh, Rockney Tarkenton who uh, played uh, Black Samson, and um, yeah, that's pretty much it for the cast. Uh, Jennifer Warren was was, was the, the female, the love interest for Chad. The singer. Uh, is she know. a singer? Didn't she do I, Up Where We Belong with um, Joe Cocker? Am I crazy? 
I'm probably no different Jennifer. I, this this is an actress, um, but she was in Ice Castles and Night Moves and Slapshot. Oh, oh, um, hey, now you're talking Slapshot. So um, when I was a kid, my friends' parents were uh, members of the racquetball club in in the little town we lived in, mm. and my friend would say, "Hey." want to hang with me tonight i'd be like sure and what it was was like um the parents would pick me up and take me to a little variety store uh on the way so we could buy like empire strikes back cards just to put you in the the time a year it was and um then we would play you know games with our new cards and we could watch anything we wanted because basically my friend's parents were getting drunk in the bar section of this place and there was no place for kids so they just like sanctioned off one side of the bar (laughs) and put the tv on and let us do whatever we wanted in this place and um that movie was on and we were kind of forced to watch it there was no clicker (laughs) and it freaked me the hell out that night and uh you know i watched it to basically like you know, I finally got around to like, okay, let, let's let's watch this thing. And yeah, I had no right to be scared whatsoever. It, it, uh, this that that would be just the kind of thing I would circle in the yeah in the TV times to watch. I, I think yeah. I did see this. That sounds really familiar. Yeah. The oil rig. I'd, I'd like to go back in time and go to me my my you know ten year old self at that racquetball club and go. This movie sucks. But, <laughs> but when you. But when you watched it, did it did it did it look? Was there any familiarity? Did you go, oh, I remember this thing coming up, or I remember? Yeah, I remember. There's like, um, I seem to recall them washing something off the shore, or washing something like a monster off the, um, off the platform, at one point. But it's so hard to to untangle that from the orca baby scene. You know, when when they 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 capture Orca's mate and she had a baby, and the fetus drops. Do you not remember that scene in Orca? Oh, in Orca. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, kinda. Yeah, that scarred the crap out of me. So I can't. Oh. I I can't distinguish the two scenes now. That fifty years I, later, you know, uh, I, forty years later. Um, so yeah, I can't. I can't remember it all. Uh, yeah, it's just funny how some of these things, when I do revisit them or see something, it's it's extraordinary how, like Remington Steele, like the the Tom Baker thing, like I remember the name of his character. Anatole Blaylock. Yeah, we've we've done that one it's a few ridiculous. times. Ridiculous. No yeah. reason to remember that. Yeah, there's, there's no, something that, that no one's ever going to have a gun to your head. It's never going to come up. Yeah. It's never going to be on a trivia quest. A, a yeah, trivia. you're never. Yeah, you're not going to. I mean, the universe what just the, doesn't work that way. It would be your greatest enemy. <laughs> why would I know? Why would I have that in my head? It's ridiculous. Yeah. That I would that I would know that. Um, and but then the theme tune, like the first time the theme tune kicked on, I swear to you, I've not seen this show since it aired. You know, and I mean, I think I. You know, it started in like 81 or 82, whatever it was, and I might have got through a couple of seasons. And then, you know, I never like went to the end of the show that was off the air. But as soon as the theme kicked in, I just went, oh, my God, 
yeah, that's the thing. Like, and it then, then it's just in my, it's like an ear earworm in my head yeah. forever. And you go, God, it's it's like I heard it yesterday. And it's interesting revisiting things sometimes. Where you're like, oh yeah, that's the. I remember that bit. I haven't seen this in 30 years, but I know what's coming. I know what's well, back. Like, like to just wrap this right around. Um, I can be cooking and my wife's watching a love boat and I will come in and go, that kid right there is a stowaway and just walk right back out because I remembered that, you know? See, that's what I mean. Like, what, yeah. what there's clearly something more important that's probably missing from that drawer in your brain and instead you know that the kid's a stowaway from a fucking love boat episode like that's what i mean like this weird the weird things we sort of um that 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 stick around it's very odd very strange um Uh, i I, there was a kid on one the other day and i was like i know this kid i know this kid yeah he was one of the canes on kung fu and it's like i'm embarrassed that i remember this (laughs) That was more than one cane? Yeah, you know, there's a little kid flashback cane. Oh, one of the cane. Oh, one of the same guy. Okay, I thought you meant. Yeah. I thought, it was a, I thought it was a family name. I was like, did he have siblings? I didn't know that. That's what well, I thought. It is a family name. Cane is his last name. But right. um, I don't know if he had like a large family that he left behind or something. I didn't. Well, recall. that was the whole plot of the series. I guess um, somebody two other paying attention. That are up on Netflix, one of which is, is going to be gone by the end of the month if you haven't seen it, anybody listening. Um, the other one, uh, uh, the the newest from 2018, whatever it was, the newest uh, with Bob and David, Mr. Show kind of. Yeah. Thing. I, I jumped back into that and rewatched a couple of them and I forgot how funny that that was. How, how it was yeah, I watched it. A, I watched a, a couple months ago, just a couple of them. And, and uh, I, I, you know, some of it still some of it like it doesn't all hit. But when it does, it's still there, you know, um, even like the, the co- you know, the interrogating the, the prisoner, the two cops, a good cop, bad cop. Yeah. Like that is that is a quintessential Mr. Show. Sketch. Yeah. It just kind of it doesn't it's not offensive and it doesn't it, it's not doing anything deep and you just know where it's going. And it's just complete silliness. I, I, I loved the Jewish pope. On, yes. Uh, an ATV talking about his cholesterol medication because he eats like a giant baby with money. Uh, <laughs> that just killed me. <laughs> you know, they pulled an episode down. Yeah. And um, which I did not know. I'm looking at it going, I, is this a joke? Like episode from two to four? Like, where's yeah, episode two? I, the context of that is great. And, I, you know, I get it. But still. Yeah, that they, was a that was a that was not kicking down. That was, you know. Uh. <laughs> yes, it was, it was, you've missed the point completely. And, and and he and you know they've both been vocal about how they feel about the. Yeah. But what kills me, it's like okay, even if that's your mindset, Netflix. Here's an idea, maybe just re-edit the episode. Yeah. And and still give us the other twenty twenty five minutes of of content. If you want to take that bit out, yeah, you know, okay. even though it's it the the episode will be um, lesser for it because it's actually a really funny bit. Um, exactly, exactly. But they pull the entire episode, the whole thing. You you can't. I mean, you could probably find it on YouTube somewhere, but it's 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 erased from from memory. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I think is only going to be up till the end of the month is um, I've talked about this before, but the Sparks Brothers. Well, it's the band Sparks, but it's called yeah. the Sparks Brothers documentary that Edgar Wright did. Uh, 
such a great doc. I rewatched it, and it's just so good. If you know a little bit about them, if you don't know anything about them, you'll still find it enjoyable, I think. Um, and it might turn you on to their music. But it's a it's a great music documentary. Really long overdue uh, to do something. And I rewatched getting it back to Netflix. I rewatched all of the Norm Macdonald has a show uh, episodes. Oh wow! And boy, do I miss him. Just what a nut job. Yeah. Um, what what a strange mind. And yeah. uh, I absolutely yeah. loved him. Uh, yeah. There's there's nothing more I can say about him than that. I even I the just... even the dumb jokes at the end that he has this the guest read like, you know, yeah, you know, I, uh, I I always wonder who's buried in the tomb of the guy that invented the old switcheroo. Yeah. yeah. Well, That's the thing is, is Donald joke. he he had built his entire persona on being untrustworthy. Yes. And he would, you know, he would say something politically right leaning one day and something insanely left the next day. And you're like, I realized that that was life to him. Yeah. Uh, he just, you know, he just really liked to mess with people. To mess with people. He yeah. Did. He was he was completely unique in that regard and yeah. very and the episode with him and Michael Keaton is just a joy because they're just having a blast and Keaton yeah. laughing and uh, it, that just made me smile. He, he made me cry once on Conan O'Brien uh, just because of how like relentlessly he pursued a joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you, you've seen the you remember the, his last Letterman appearance that clip. Yeah. Oh, yeah. just heartbreaking because they, they put they they gave, they aired his last special where he just was sitting at the computer reading his his material and didn't get to do the special. Yeah. Uh, and there was like a round table after that with Letterman and some other people talking about him. And they brought up that moment on Letterman. And it's just because you go, whoa, you don't you know, where did you know. You've known this guy for so long and suddenly there's this sentiment coming from him. Um, but it made a lot more sense in context. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, there you go. How's that for a How's that for a list of stuff everybody should get to and start watching? Absolutely, you should start watching. We did and the work, so you don't have to. And if you trust us, then you'll love. We it. will chew your food. Yes. Is that what we're saying? I think we're basically saying if you're listening to this, if you've come this far and you're listening to our choices, our recommendations, and you are a listener of the show, then you're probably thinking, hey, these guys have good taste, mostly. I'll give these things a try. If 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 you know Brian and Jason liked it, then it's worth my time. And if I don't like it, well, I'm going to go to the Pod Stallions Facebook group and give them a piece of my mind. A one star review. Yeah. Downvote. 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 Downvotes. That'll show us. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. Well, um, who says we can't improv uh, an episode? Okay. Who says we've ever rehearsed one? Um, So, yeah, um, give us a healthy debate on what you're watching or if you disagree with our opinions in the Pod Stallions Facebook group or uh, in the comments on our YouTube channel. Uh, We're going to be setting up some sort of YouTube through uh, YouTube podcasting section as well. Uh, I got to talk to you about this. Maybe we can actually record our podcast in YouTube. I love it. Yeah, the future. Board. As long as there's no nudity, I'm on board. It's in your rider, Jason. All right. We'll get, we'll get a body double. Um, 
Yes, you please. Know, on on a unrelated topic, do you have Bruce Valanche's number? Uh, I can get it. I'm sure I can get it. It's it's on a it's on a different topic. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. of course. I can I can try. Is this for this is for your Ice Pirates documentary. That's right. On? That's right. How much I love the Ice Pirates. Leave it with me. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Cheers.